being able to look at this through a strengths-based lens, which it is, and redesigning your life. So instead of being a passenger in your own life, which a lot of ADHDs are, we can help you get in that driving seat and, and get to a place that you, you want to you want to go that you can and you can get there. That was founder of the ADHD advocate Stephanie Camilleri. Stephanie shares her own experiences of ADHD her work and the benefits of ADHD coaching, and how workplaces can benefit from understanding more about neurodiversity. Before we begin today's episode, I would love to encourage you to head over to Happiful.com. We've recently brought all of Happiful's offerings together under one digital roof. Now you can read articles, find out more about this podcast, subscribe to receive a free copy of the magazine in your inbox, and find the right therapist, life coach, hypnotherapist, nutritional therapist or complementary therapist for you. Simply visit happiful.com to find out more. This is I Am, I Have from Happiful. I'm producer and host Lucy Donoghue and here is our episode on ADHD coaching. Today's guest, Stephanie Camilleri, is the founder of the ADHD Advocate, She's passionate about educating and inspiring individuals with ADHD to understand and embrace their unique brain wiring. Welcome to I Am I Have, Stephanie. Thank you, Lucy. Thanks for inviting me here. Can I ask you to introduce you in your own words and tell us a bit about the work you do? Yes, of course. So so I founded the ADHD Advocate about five years ago now. Actually, originally, I was wanting to reform the areas of education and healthcare due to my eldest daughter being diagnosed with ADHD, but it was quite quite a journey because we didn't know what it was. Uh, we were told it was sensory processing disorder. You know, it took quite quite a few years to get the right diagnosis and get the right treatment for her. But then once, you know, she was on the right medication and had the right support, it transformed her life, basically. So... I was always very keen to advocate, make change, because, you know, when you know better, when you when you understand it's ADHD, there is just so much you can do to help fulfill that person's potential. So I decided to um, learn more about ADHD. I started an ADCA training course and learned how to coach. And then that was transformational and decided that I wanted to do this for other people. And so I do a blend. We offer like a blend coaching, advocacy and educating, helping people and organizations see through an ADHD lens. Thank you for that. And I was saying just before we started recording that I have been on your website and that people should check it out. So just at the top of the podcast, can you tell everyone where they can find that if they want to have a look while they're listening today? Definitely. So it's the ADHDadvocate.com. Brilliant. And I'll make sure that all of that information is in the show notes as well. We're going to talk about coaching for ADHD today. But before we start, could you share how you'd explain ADHD for anyone listening that might not be sure? Well, the name itself is misleading because it stands for Attention Deficit and Hyperactivity Disorder. Now, the first problem with that is Attention Deficit, because with ADHD, is it's it's the problem is not that we don't have enough attention. We have a surplus. We have a surplus of attention. We often have too many ideas. The reasons why someone, a person with ADHD doesn't appear to be listening or have zoned out, it is because they're probably consumed by a multitude of thoughts and ideas or imaginations. And so that's the issue. It's not that we don't have attention. We can we have it in spades. In fact, that can be the problem that we hyperfocus, you know, too long on those things that interest us. That's the first thing to know about the ADHD, what it stands for. And then obviously disorder. 
Now, this is a bit of a contentious one because ADHD is situationally variable. So very much depending on your situation, your strengths. You know, if you're in a situation where you can't leverage those strengths, you're always coming up against all the challenges. You don't have the right support network in place. Your impulsivity gets in the way because unfortunately with ADHD, there are some addiction type issues. We, we are quite addictive types. We're very black and white, you know, all in, all out type people. And so that can be great, for instance, if you're training for the Olympics, like, you know, Michael Phelps and swimming and, you know, being addicted to swimming. But unfortunately, some ADHDers can get their um, the, the, the stimulation from substances, unfortunately, um, you know, things that aren't healthy for us. But we always need to have something that does stimulate us because of our reward dopamine system doesn't work in the same way as the neurotypicals. So we don't kind of feel that satisfaction and reward that our neurotypicals um, peers do. So yes, it can be a disorder, definitely for a lot of us. But what we've found um, through ADHD coaching in particular, when you help someone understand their unique brain wiring and understand that it is situationally variable, once they get to know what their strengths are, they can start kind of designing their lives around their ADHD to leverage those strengths and to also change their narrative around what is an ADHD trait versus what they would have historically seen as a character flaw and very much beaten themselves up their whole life about it. Because unfortunately, with ADHD comes very low self-esteem and sometimes, you know, a feeling of hopelessness, helplessness, that that's the first thing we seek to address when someone comes to us. Thank you for that explanation. Do you think you could share with us the common misconceptions? You've already addressed one, which is attention deficit, but the common misconceptions for people who have or have been recently diagnosed with ADHD. There's a lot of uh, myths around ADHD, a lot of stigma that is still preventing people with ADHD from getting diagnosed and getting the help that they need. One thing is that ADHD is if you've got ADHD, you can't you know, perform, you can't become a lawyer, you can't become a doctor because something to do with your IQ, there's something wrong with you. That's the biggest one. And actually, personally, when I went for my ADHD diagnosis, because I studied law, even the psychiatrist that uh, saw me, we wasn't 100% sure because he actually said, but you, you went to law school, you studied law. And then that got me kind of thinking, hang on. And we, it's already, we already have imposter syndrome. So it does take a lot for high performing ADHD to seek a diagnosis. As a lot of us can see that maybe it looks more like an excuse and we don't like to give ourselves those type of excuses. It's, it's an explanation, though. I just wanted to make that point. That's a big myth that you can't be performing and have ADHD. You very much can. And again, situationally variable, for instance, for me, you know, the other areas of my life, you know, I could do very well at work because I had the systems in place. Um, I, I knew what I needed to do. I very much was authentically interested in doing well and performing. There was a lot at stake for me. Right. So my ADHD wasn't so much of a problem. I love networking. So the things that fueled me kept the ADHD challenges at bay, apart from timesheets. But at home, you know, being being a mother, having to kind of manage my children, remember kind of what was going on for them as well. And, and my own kind of stress, anxiety levels, it's just too much. So there are other areas of life that may may not be doing as well as the one that most people might see and then assume that there's absolutely you know, nothing going on with you. But yeah, it's situationally variable. So that's one of the first things, the big things. The second thing is, um, and this can be confusing, is that we are inconsistent. You know, we may we may be really on it one day and kind of 
produce the most amazing things you've seen. But then on the next day, perhaps we can't even remember where our phone is or perhaps, you know, we're about to do a presentation and, oh, the USB stick, where's that gone? We're held to a very high standard. If you're a high-performing adhd people expect you to be performing, you know, very well in all areas, but they don't realize that things like admin, a weak working memory, that these things can slip, that fall by the wayside. And so we don't get the accommodations that we need because a lot of people just think, well, hey, she can do this. So surely she should be able to do these things. And so they expect that from you. And then when you don't, reach you know when you don't meet expectations you, it could it could be quite difficult for that ADHD because you've you've disappointed that person and that rejection sensitivity then unfortunately hits quite hard and that's another thing about ADHD people don't know about the emotional dysregulation component. Can you share some more on that because you just talked about rejection sensitivity and this is something that I'm really interested in exploring with you and um, because I think it is something that's lesser known about people with ADHD. Could you explain what it is for us? Yeah, so Dr. William Dodson, again, America, um, they've been doing this longer than us, I guess. So he came up with this phrase, rejection-sensitive dysphoria, uh, to describe what he observed in most ADHDs, I think he says around 98%. This severe, severe reaction to when either we've, we've actually experienced rejection or we perceive rejection. So dysphoria, I think it comes from a Greek word that means crippling pain. With ADHD, like a lot of people may say, oh, everyone gets bored or, you know, um, everyone gets frustrated. It's with ADHD, it's that kind of severity and frequency. You know, no one wants to be rejected. So neurotypicals as well, if you get rejected or some criticism, yeah, it may hurt. For an ADHD, it does more than that. It literally could shut us down, send us into very very low moods, um, rumination. Some ADHDs respond, you know, through anger, meltdowns. It's wired into us, unfortunately. So Dr. Dodson describes that much like ADHD generally is wired, it's a brain wiring. Unfortunately, RSD is also a brain wiring. So it's something that CBT cannot easily resolve. And particularly in the moment when it hits, there's not a lot you can do. There's not much access to, you know, the, the cognitive to be able to talk your way out of it. And that's why something like CBT isn't very helpful. But there are things that we can do. You know, the biggest thing being actually understanding what it is. Naming it to tame it is the first thing. I love that. Naming it to tame it. We're going to come on to later on the adjustments that, that can be made in a workplace, but also the conversation about ADHD in the workplace, because I can imagine that actually sharing that you live with ADHD or you have ADHD, however you want to term it, with your employers could help. Yeah, it's a catch. It's, it's, this is a difficult one um, and very contentious, obviously, in terms of do you or don't you disclose and actually disclosure I don't think we're meant to speak about it as disclosing because, you know, normalizing neurodiversity, it's a hugely on everyone's agenda, particularly in the corporate world, rightly so, finally, because again, having neurodiversity can really provide massive competitive advantages to an organization. So long as that organization is understanding what that looks like and accommodates it in a way that helps that individual thrive and not get in their own way, which we often do. I can imagine that it's it's very difficult at the point of interview to decide how or if you even talk about ADHD with questions like how do you like best like to be managed? You know, is there anything we should know about you and how you work? Can you give us any insights on on that? 
It's very rare, actually. It's very rare I found in coaching for someone to have talked about their ADHD openly in an interview. Most ADHDers will not tell anyone about their ADHD in the process, like while they're applying for a job, because they do think that it will probably go against them, rightly or wrongly. Unfortunately, uh, there is, as you, as we were talking about, there is still that stigma, that massive lack of understanding there. So ADHDs generally feel that they'll have a better chance if they don't say anything about their ADHD. I can imagine that it's a real tough one to weigh up and we'll come on to the workplace in just a moment. But one of the things that I wanted to pick up on is when you said the positive elements of living with ADHD, especially within the workplace, because the way you phrase this on your website is beautiful. I think it's really important on the note of destigmatizing to take away that suggestion of disorder. I think it's important to talk about the challenges as well as the strengths. So can you share a bit more about that with me? It's always a delight to be able to lead on that front because very much what we found with ADHD coaching, remembering that a lot of the ADHDs come to us with no hope, right? They've been told how lazy they are or and just their own experiences just kind of feel as if there's no point. But it's really important that they know that there are some massive strengths just generally to having ADHD, but also individually. I'm privileged to coach, I would say, some of the most brilliant, talented, innovative um, minds I've ever come across. And I was a lawyer, you know, I've, I've encountered a lot of smart people. In fact, I think there are a lot of lawyers with ADHD, doctors with ADHD. You'll find literally anyone at the top of the indus- of their industry will most likely have neurodiversity for sure. And do you think that's the hyper-focus has helped them within that? Yeah, definitely. ADHD is, yes, we... So when we've got authentic interest, which is the fuel for the ADHD brain, right? When we're authentically interested... Uh, yeah, we've just got this never-ending capacity to apply ourselves <laughs> to that thing we're authentically interested in. So that hyper-focus, yes. So we can put in, yes, a lot more effort, longer hours. It sometimes doesn't even feel like effort. It, it's where we flow. It's the areas that we're really interested in. It doesn't feel like effort. We do it effortlessly, which unfortunately a lot of ADHDs then don't um, see it as a strength because it's effortless. So they don't feel like there's any weight they give to it because it's so easy. But obviously, objectively, it, it's it's a massive um, value add, particularly in organizations. So you find um, ADHD is uh, very innovative. So they tend to be able to think of things that neurotypicals can't. They just see more options. Now, that's a good and a bad thing. It is hard to, this is the thing. A lot of our strengths are challenges. A lot of our challenges can be strengths. It just depends on the situation which is why coaching is so effective because it just helps the ADHD become aware of when to use those things, how to kind of set their life up and situations up so that the the challenge actually becomes the strength, if that makes sense. The thing is, again, there's so many ideas that ADHDs have, but the difficulty is that implementation is narrowing them down, narrowing the focus and following through. But that's where, you know, we can get other people or other like systems and things in place to be able to get our ideas, to get them kind of in reality. Um, So again, it's all about how we set ourselves up, um, leaning into our strengths, but then making sure that there are things in place or people in place that make sure that they come to fruition. But ADHD is as well, they're very enthusiastic, a lot of passion right? You've probably seen a lot of that with ADHDs, see it in the way that they speak, in the way they express themselves, the hand movements. I've been known to hit a few people accidentally. It's awful. You you don't mean that. Um, 
but we are very expressive people. And that's why, again, you also see so many ADHDs in the arts, so many actors, stand-up comedians. We've all got ADHD. They can think on their feet so well, so much better, actually, than if you give them time to, to create something, write something. Because, again, there's just so much information to draw from, so many ways. Because, remember, they can see so many different ways. This is where writing becomes one of the most cognitively demanding tasks for us because it's about having to kind of put all those ideas, firstly, to filter them, what's relevant, and then get them into a structure that you've been told to kind of follow. It's really, really difficult. Most ADHDs are visionaries that don't do so well when they're kind of being asked to do it a certain way, someone else's way, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes absolute sense. Yeah. Yeah. But we also get in our own way and don't have many boundaries. So at the same time, we do need, you know, frameworks, structures to be able to stay within. Um, otherwise, we sometimes go off tangent. We sometimes um, just provide way too much information, overwhelm people. So that's what we do in coaching is helping kind of create those frameworks as well and, and getting ADHD is clear on what outcomes they're looking for, because we do tend to go everywhere all at once. I think there's a movie with the same name I was watching the other day, everywhere all at once, basically is a very good description for us but um the world needs visionaries absolutely and as you just said a lot of people within the arts live with or have ADHD and it is that kind of really big thinking that expressive articulation and that's as you said it can be a really positive thing in a workplace as well and bringing the ideas bringing the passion and bringing the energy so I'm glad that we're talking about that part of it because I think some of the rhetoric is very much about how to contain or how to channel and once we start to talk about this we can see the absolute positives and then that how we can coach and develop rather than contain or restrain yeah no com completely that that is definitely the dream but yeah people need to have that ADHD lens they need to understand um, unfortunately sometimes we get clients that uh, have had to leave work their workplaces because they haven't been understood the adjustments that they've been, that have been provided to them actually means that they are blocked from using their strengths. You know, so sometimes if an ADHD gets overwhelmed, for instance, the employer thinks, oh, well, I should take them away from their client-facing work, um, take them away from actually what they do best. You know, you get an ADHD in front of a person that they need to help and they are their best selves. They will always perform for that person. You know, they're able to get out of their own way. Whereas when the employer thinks that, oh, that, that client-facing stuff, that's too overwhelming for them, I'll get them just to do some administrative things instead, just get those reports written. What happens is when they've been um, taken off what they do best, then obviously the narrative worsens, their performance you know, gets even worse because they're now being asked to do things they're not authentically interested in. The stakes aren't very high. There may not be any kind of deadlines. And then they find themselves procrastinating, not doing those things. And then sure enough, employers saying, mm, you can't even do these things now. It's really bad because they don't understand how to design the work environment to design their role around their ADHD. I can imagine that's when rejection sensitivity dysphoria can really kick in as well. Having been taken back from what you're passionate about and put into something which is is not playing to your strengths and, and feeling like you're being sidelined, I can imagine that is really difficult for someone with ADHD. And for some ADHDs, unfairness makes them fight. ADHDs have got very strong values. And uh, what we've seen in coaching in particular, um, and we, we do a lot of work around uncovering values because 
ADHDs often don't know what their strengths are, what their values are. They don't often stop to even think about these things. They don't know. Or they might not have the luxury of knowing what they want because perhaps they they think they're never going to get what they want anyway. And so they don't give themselves permission. We change all that in coaching. When, when they know what their values are, often situations that haven't worked for them, particularly in the workplace as well, is where values are not aligned. What we've seen in coaching, unfortunately... For instance, if, if they're working for a manager whose values are very different from theirs, it's not going to work for, out very well. Or if the actual job itself doesn't align with their values or even or goes against their values, like maybe some sales job where the product perhaps is not as good as what the organization is saying it is. An ADHD can't, you know, if it's against their values of integrity, honesty, again, they're only going to last so long. So Knowing what they you know, knowing what your values are again, it's all about designing your life around your ADHD and other things that are going to impact your ADHD, like values, for instance. Um, it's, it's crucial for this for an ADHD to succeed. This is where I want to come on to what you do and the coaching that you do. Can you share a bit about why it's so transformational to have coaching and specifically ADHD coaching for within the workplace? As I was saying before, often ADHDers don't, well, they don't kind of know their strengths. They usually undermine themselves. As I was saying earlier, if they're really good at something, that's not a strength because that was easy. So that's not a big deal. And as a result, they do not promote themselves. I mean, they, they don't promote themselves for many reasons, but certainly that's one of them. I'm just doing my job. It's not a big deal because it's so easy. Mostly they have to feel effort. It's got to be some kind of pain before they'll call something an achievement. And usually that will be something that's not a strength and they're focusing on the wrong things and they're kind of projecting to their employers that this is the thing that they can't do. And the other thing that's amazing, yeah, it's no big deal. It doesn't help set you know, themselves up for, for success, certainly not promotion um, in the workplace we've seen. So it's about coaching really helps the ADHD start appreciating those strengths and also being able to look back and look at the evidence of their of their strengths and achievements. Because again, a weak working memory, there's so many things that kind of compound to make you know, uh, us kind of achieving and feeling like we're achieving are really difficult, but we forget everything that we've done. And so often it's like reinventing the wheel. We're often feeling like we're starting again, even if we have even received awards for certain things, we just come at a new thing feeling as if, oh, hang on, I don't know how to do this because we've forgotten, but it's there. So we're very much all about building the evidence, unearthing that buried treasure, keeping that insight and in mind to increase confidence, kind of your own kind of business case, uh, as you are, like in terms of I can do this thing. So to kind of get that confidence, but then also more than that, working out what the ADHD actually enjoys, what they like doing in the workplace. Because again, often the standards that they set themselves are pretty low in terms of enjoyment. They often feel that they're lucky just to have the job. I'm just doing my job. They don't really aspire a lot more than that. And so in coaching, again, it's about helping them increase their confidence and looking at their skills and talents and evidence of where they've been able to succeed in different maybe workplaces and getting them to start building a vision, you know, a heartfelt vision of where they want to be you know, maybe in that organization, maybe not. A lot of ADHD is they come to us for workplace coaching and um, they realize that that workplace isn't actually the right place for them. And maybe they want to start their own business. 
where yeah. they can do things, you know, the way they feel they should be done and and they can lean into those areas that really interest them without getting stuck in all the bureaucratic processes, um, administrative requirements. A lot of them do kind of shift to having their own thing. That's wonderful. And you mentioned the phrase design your life. Mm. And it sounds like ADHD coaching can really help with that to, to look at how you can live a life that is in line with the person that you are, rather than trying to fit into the constraints of a workplace that perhaps isn't right for you. Yeah, I did an introductory call with someone earlier this week. She came to the call, was really down, I guess really tired. She was struggling at work, you know, getting negative feedback that it kind of felt that she wasn't able to to do her job properly. And she was managing people, which is always quite difficult for an ADHD as well, on top of, you know, being able to do the day job sometimes. Kind of her her goals were, I just want to get, you know, better time management and prioritization. And I just kind of, you you know that these people, they're, they're selling themselves short, right? They've been listening to these negative messages and unfortunately have kind of, you know, believe believe that they are true and they don't aspire for anything more. So I asked her, well, what do you actually want? What what do you want? And she just kind of stopped and just like looked at what she has. Oh, wow, I can't believe you asked me that. And you could see the wheels start to turn and they're, they're kind of me giving her permission to even think about that. Because again, like I said, that standard that we set ourselves, it's it's so much lower than what it should be, what it needs to be, what we deserve. And this lady has got, I could tell, we we talked about some of the things she'd done, massive strengths, but the story she was telling herself because of her situation, you know, completely the opposite. Um, So all this potential, right, that an outsider can see that she's completely blind to now because of being weighed down by all the negative. Definitely our role as an ADHD coach is to help her distinguish, you know, between, you know, what the character flaws are or that she thinks are, that the ADHD kind of traits or challenges might be getting in the way and that perhaps, you know, we can get her changing her narrative if she can understand and accept her needs, start asking her employer perhaps to maybe provide certain things in a different way or maybe get her to be able to do a different type of role, like redesign the role so she can start leveraging the strengths that through coaching she knows she has. Because quite often, as I was saying, they get to a point that I don't can't do anything well, don't have any strengths. Sounds like there's a certain amount of shutdown that can happen if somebody, an ADHD, doesn't get that support or isn't able to look kind of objectively and it sounds like that's what you help people do is to look objectively and to focus on the strengths and I can hear that imposter syndrome there looms large oh massively massively they you know get in their own way not being able to promote themselves because we also have communication challenges so a lot of ADHD is for instance when asked to kind of maybe present their case might go blank right freeze the rejection sensitivity is so huge you know, they're kind of scared to even to speak or maybe they'll say something that they'll be judged for. So better to say less, better to not ask for things. So that's one of the biggest uh, challenges in the workplace is ADHD is don't ask for help, right? So say they're being given instructions and they're not clear. The ADHD will not ask for clarification just in case they always are first to put it on themselves. So if they haven't understood the instructions, they assume that it was their fault, that either one, they weren't kind of listening, maybe they zoned out, or two, it's actually maybe they're kind of stupid that those instructions are actually, would be clear to anyone else, but just not them. 
and they don't want to look stupid by saying, hmm, can I just ask you to clarify? So they just stay quiet. Now, what happens, as you can imagine, right, they go back to do the task, they don't do it to what's being required, or they overdo it, and so they're late because they're not quite sure, so they feel they have to cover all the bases anyway, and only to be met with the manager saying, that's not what I asked for, it's late, you know, try again, and they just get stuck in that loop because nothing is changing. They're not asking for help. Again, it's me, it's me, and then when the manager then maybe puts them onto the, you know, the performance review. Again, see how this, that, that narrative is being cemented now. So our job, again, as coaches at that stage is to, we very much have to, you know, unwind and, you know, reframe, reframe, get that ADHD lens out, you know, and fix it um, on that person so they can look back at everything that's happened through that lens to be able to get the true story, to get perspective. You know, it's hard enough us getting perspective just ourselves, but then when you're being told these things and and certain things are happening, uh, you know, it's very difficult to, to, to get the true picture. Your role as an ADHD advocate is so important in two ways. It's both for the ADHD, but you also work with workplaces. How can workplaces be more aware and open to talking about ADHD in a way that doesn't feel that they are stigmatizing employees or potential employees? And that's a good question. And you make a good point because what we found with coaching, you know, we can coach the individual with ADHD to understand their ADHD, uh, the challenges, you know, the barriers to their work. We can coach them to come up with strategies that will work for them to overcome some of those barriers. But um, often we found that uh, if the ADHD, for instance, doesn't accept that these are needs, so if they still, they might understand and know what they need, but there's still that kind of resistance because they should be able to do these things. They shouldn't inconvenience someone else in order to have that need met. They just need to try harder. And there's pressure as well on the, you know, from coming from the employer or peers even because they don't have the ADHD lens. See how that kind of makes it even more difficult for that ADHD to advocate for their needs to be met. That's the first problem. And we have to work on that in coaching to get them to really accept that these needs are valid and that actually by by not getting them met, by just trying to keep doing this thing that they're going to keep failing at, um, they're setting expectations, the wrong ones, and they're going to keep setting expectations that they will, you know, not meet. And that's part, that's a massive part of the problem is that we need to set expectations clearly and early in terms of this is what I do really well. This is what I don't do well at, particularly if you give it to me in this way or you're asking me to update this thing. I'll do the work, but I might not necessarily update it every week. So when you go in there, you're not, you you don't freak out. You know, it doesn't mean I haven't done the work. I just haven't updated that spreadsheet. Now, see, that conversation doesn't happen and it needs to, really needs to for, for everyone, not just for the ADHD that will get in trouble if that spreadsheet does not reflect the update. For instance, um, but it's for the whole organization, right? So that they can go, well, hang on, maybe, you know, kind of expecting you to update that spreadsheet is unrealistic. Maybe we just need to get you out of your out of your own way and perhaps have this person do the update for you. You do the thing and then you just tell verbally, kind of tell that person, yeah, yeah, I've done such and such. The less accessible the thing is for us ADHDers, the more likely it's not going to get done. 
we, we tend to do much better verbal processing, you know, on the spot. It's that follow-up work that we find so much more difficult, the admin. And that's, that's unfortunately what the workplaces tend to concentrate on and such a loss. It's a loss, not just to the individual who's like un, unfairly, you know, getting into trouble and picked up for the things that they're never actually going to do well. And it's just not their value add. It's not the organization is looking at the wrong things because the stuff that they do well, some of it, you know, not many others could do, you know, because of those strengths that we talked about. So it's not helping anyone, this focus on on the, on the weaknesses. So what I was saying before, so the coaching can help the ADHD understand, accept the needs and even communicate them. But the next step is that the organization needs to, you know, want to meet the needs. They've got to believe that these are needs. Um, they've got to understand these neurodiverse um, brain wirings and they, they've got to want to accommodate in a way that's going to actually work for that ADHD because there's no one size fits all approach. Sounds like communication is very, very important, but as is your role in facilitating that, because as you said, there is still a stigma associated with ADHD. And I think there's been a lot more conversation about ADHD in the last, I would say, three years. It might be it might be longer than that. So I think it's so important that we have people like you who are talking about the breadth of ADHD experience and also how to get individual experience, because no particular way of being is a monolith. It won't be the same for absolutely every person, will it? That, that's right. And that's, again, why coaching is really helpful, particularly if we're trying to work out what an employee needs in place in the workplace, again, because often they won't be aware of it themselves. Through coaching, they work out, oh, hang on. Yes. Oh, this is why I keep doing this thing. Oh, maybe if this thing is done differently or if someone can do that thing for me, then I'll be able to do the thing that they've asked me to do easily. No problem. So it's kind of the coaching helps them work out what they need to convey, what they need to ask for. And um, so we like to do that early in the piece. And then we sometimes, as part of the coaching packages, we have like a consultation with the manager. So, um, and we have a few kind of, maybe we break it up sometimes, have one earlier, have one later, but it always makes me really happy when I see like a manager kind of show up at one of my employees' coaching sessions. Because the biggest strategy for an ADHD is something called the body double strategy. Basically, ADHD is we could do things for others that we can't do for ourselves. And in coaching, actually, whenever anyone's having trouble doing something, um, I always say to put a body at the end of it. Again, this goes back to rejection-sensitive dysphoria, believe it or not. Okay. Um, and this is why as well, if an ADHD wants to be coached, you've got to make sure that the, the coach is someone that they look up to, that they don't want to disappoint. Because remember, you know, if, if an ADHD disappoints someone or says something and then doesn't do it to someone that they respect, the rejection sensitivity will be, you know, really bad for them. So they've got a motivation to do the thing. They're more motivated because they want to avoid the RSD. So that's where the body double comes into play in terms of that accountability. Saying to someone you're going to do something that you respect, you don't want to disappoint them. And so you'll do the thing. So yeah, otherwise, if there's, if it's just you, you're disappointing, right? ADHDs are happy to disappoint themselves every hour of every day, every minute, second. We just can't do, we can't, that in, intrinsic motivation for, for things that, you know, might be a bit more complex or something that we don't really are very interested in. We need to inject that interest from somewhere else or 
you know, kind of get out of our own way, remove choice through kind of body double type strategy, you know, because we don't want to disappoint anyone. We don't want to trigger RSD. That's so interesting. And also such a good strategy to have someone that you you respect, that understands you for accountability. But also I would imagine that person has to understand why that's important to you at the same time. So it's a two-way thing. There has to be that mutual respect as to why that accountability need is there. That, that is so true. And I think it works so well with ADHD coaching in that um, I very much with my, with my uh, coachees, I want to see them succeed. Like I'm completely invested in their success and I can see their potential. And I know that they're getting in their own way again because of RSD. I was coaching someone this morning, for instance, you know, who's very successful, has a fantastic job, but um, he's, there's so much more, you know, that he wants to do and, and, and so much knowledge he can share with the world. And so I've been body doubling uh, with him to throw his backpack over the wall and start doing a video blog on LinkedIn about his special interest area, getting out there, building his brand, uh, you know, because I think he might want to start up with a, like a fintech company or, you know, kind of branch out, not work in this firm that has been in for years. It's getting comfortable. So I like to push my coaches out of their comfort zone a little bit. Uh, they don't mind and it does benefit them they love it it's it's about helping them get out of their own way now so that is an example of how the body double works brilliantly in in coaching and it really does like I can't tell you how many people I've um, I've helped get promoted or kind of leave a job that you know doesn't play to their strengths they can't be their authentic selves but then they go out have their own business and you know massively thrive they're happy and they're making changes for people I mean a lot of a lot of my coaches want to become coaches, which is perfect because then you can see the butterfly effect. They go on and help other ADHDs. It's really, really transformational and very satisfying. I yeah. can hear that and I can see it as well. You're clearly so passionate about what you do and it has such a positive impact. And I would just say to anyone listening, please do go and check out the website, whether you have ADHD yourself or you are a manager or you aren't quite sure you understand what ADHD is, please go and check it out because I think it's really important that we talk about this more, that we destigmatize, and that we get to the point where people feel happy to talk about it in the workplace much more openly. As you've said, Stephanie, there are amazing creative outputs and strengths that can come from embracing diversity in the workplace but we need to get to the point where we can have those conversations early on. And it's just so important. And at Happiful, it's something that I'm very proud to say we are able to talk about at the interview stage. And I would love it if other companies were able to open the door to have conversations at that point and know that it is a strength. I think that's such an important thing for us all to aim for is that is that real openness of conversation. Very much. That's that's what we're aiming to do and through our ADHD awareness training for organizations. And we always encourage if we're coaching someone, we also like to deliver the training to the organization so that we can make sure that you know what the what the client learns in coaching the strategies the understanding that they need in order to thrive there that they're going to get that from their their managers their peers because quite often as well unfortunately peers that don't understand can be a very big reason for that RSD triggering and the colleague needing to leave the workplace so yeah it's a whole organizational whole world thing this ADHD and neurodiversity awareness I think we can agree to that it is. 
Before we finish today, is there anything else you would like to share for anyone listening? I say that when you know better, you do better. The ADHD lens, it, it is transformational. But with ADHD, again, we we know a lot. And the problem is it's not that we don't know what to do. We don't do what we know. And this is where the body double strategy is needed. And certainly, yeah, if you want to learn how to thrive with ADHD, then do come and check us out. Uh, we have free introductory calls. We have a few coaches as well that you can speak with. But we would love to reinstill hope. And even more so, my specialty, I, I love to help ADHDs fulfill their often huge potential. So there is hope, though. That's the, the main thing. There is hope. Being able to look at this through a strengths-based lens, which it is, and redesigning your life. So instead of being a passenger in your own life, which a lot of ADHDs are, right, we can help you get in that driving seat and, and get to a place that you, you, want to, you want to go that you can, and you can get there. We partner with you. So get in touch. Thank you for listening to I Am, I Have. Don't forget to head across to habful.com for more great mental health and wellbeing conversations. And you can also search for ADHD coaches. If you're looking for mental health support, you'll also find information on our site, including links to counselling directory and also charities. If you need immediate help, you can call the Samaritans on 116-123 or email joe at samaritans.org 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you do not have to be in crisis to receive their support. Help is available. I'm Lucy Donoghue, the producer and host of this podcast. I hope you'll listen again soon.